Welcome to the Kenmore Church Podcast. We are all about filling hearts and fueling mission. We hope this content builds your heart and mind and equips you to reveal Jesus in this season of your life. Today, I want to talk into uh, our continuing conversation about the one day, the moment where God opens those doors for us and great things happen in our lives, just the highlight reel of a Christian's life, the things we give testimony about. And I just want to share my own heart as to why uh, we emphasise this sort of thing so much. I've, I have a, I've long had a residual obsession about helping people push through to the next step, the next stage of their spiritual life. And um, I guess it's written into my own DNA. The Lord's taken me on that journey as well. But, but that, this sort of thing matters, not just because it's, uh, it's what we like to talk about, but it matters that your calling in God, your unique calling, the purpose for which he's made you, finds its fulfillment. And like me, you probably get as frustrated as I do with the ability for humanity just to consume itself with worthless pursuits, the desire for comfort, the desire for uh, possessions and, and recognition gained without any real purpose. And just managing that and seeing the futility that we can go on with our life, we can live and we can die in that same futility. And in many ways, I'm just driven to take us beyond that, to have us walk into the design that God has for us. Because the world is a lot worse off if you and I don't find our calling and develop into who God has called us to be. So I like to look for scriptural keys to help you open your next door. See, our purpose as a church, as we've defined it, is filling hearts and fueling mission. And if our destination to what our mission is, is unknown, then we can feel like we're running very blind. So I love to just look for principles and keys in Scripture to help us identify those sort of way markers. The Psalms say that God's word is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. And when our destination is unsure, it's that lamp of God's word that we need to really understand where are we at on this journey? What's in this landscape that we can take advantage of? We don't know ultimately how far and which defined direction we're going to go, but we can be responsible stewards of what's before us. And to have the Word of God, the Word of God is God's written Word and also His ability to communicate with you directly through the various promptings and whispers of the Holy Spirit in the ways that He does that. And so to have that lamp take effect, to be able to perceive these moments of how do I get to these different doorways of, of destiny, so to speak? How do I know I'm doing God's will? We need to be able to not only read God's word, but listen to God's word, to ruminate on God's word and to understand what it is he's saying. We need the author to speak to us. Because sometimes he'll just say, I need you to stop for a moment. You don't need more information right now. You need to stop. You need to listen. You need to observe what I'm doing. And you need to figure out a bit more of the why and where and how that I want you to live. I want you to apply God's word to your life. See, information alone is not the answer. And information to Christians in the 21st century is not in short supply. We have no lack of information. What we need is something else. Let me read to you from Proverbs 2, verse 6. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. You see, wisdom and understanding are different from knowledge, both vital. But knowledge is information. Knowledge is things like theology and, and, and that kind of thing. But knowledge alone is not enough. He says that he gives knowledge and understanding. Understanding is another word for wisdom. And wisdom is the application of truth to life in your moment, 
It's the application. It's like, what does that truth mean? How do I apply that? How does that land in my life? And so wisdom is vital. And the Proverbs are full of sayings to say, whatever you do, gain wisdom. And to gain wisdom, you need the input from the author. You need God's help to do that. Knowledge alone, you can just fill your brain with stuff, but it's only half the equation. You need God to be able to speak to you and guide you and apply it to your life. In the absence of that, we tend to apply worldly wisdom. James talks a lot about this in his epistle, that worldly wisdom can lead us down to all sorts of wrong conclusions. We need godly wisdom based on God's truth applied God's way. See, right now, information is something many of us are finding we need to avoid. There is so much information coming at us. There's so much sensationalism. There's so many opinions. Like everyone's got a platform now. They're all online and it's being force-fed into us. And many of us are at the point of total uh, distraction and almost burnout from the amount of content coming at us. We're stuck in front of screens all the time. All these opinions are coming and we just need silence. And this is good. I think this is great because there's been a shift and I've noticed it particularly in the last three or four weeks uh, in the people that I've been interacting with. They're saying, just enough with the noise. I need to come back and listen to God. And this is an incredibly good moment for all of us. And I would really recommend in this point of this year in our lives, this is the moment to come and find some silence and begin to ruminate on what God is saying directly to you. And so we need to reduce the feed that's coming in and begin to just listen to God. So choose carefully who you're listening to at the moment. Listen to scripture, read the word of God and and select very carefully the amount of sources of information, even on a Sunday that you're tapping into. Very important that we tap into our fellowship, what God's saying to us, to this group of people, to our body. So wisdom is what you, you need right now to discern what your moment in life really is. And so we've been doing a dive into the uh, how to wait in the wilderness and then how to walk through into God's doors. And this one day that we talked about last week, that exhilarating moment that we all long for. But what I want to do today is just set you up for that one moment. Because what you'll often notice uh, right throughout Scripture, and I could give you 50 more anecdotes directly from the Word of God of what happens prior to these open doors coming. It's almost like there's this special moment. I'm calling it today the doormat of destiny. It's like you're standing at the threshold of that door. The door may be closed, but you're right there. And there's this moment that seems to stick out. And if if you read scripture through this lens, you'll see it. It's like the story we gave recently with Jacob wrestling the angel. It's a moment before he's stepping into a whole new place and God confronts and God asks the question of us in some way about faith or obedience or so on. He did it with Peter when Peter had to cast the net out in faith, doing, he knew what to do. Uh, That was his job. And Jesus says, I want you to do it a different way. Will you obey this? Uh, It's what we saw last week with Nebuchadnezzar. He had to look to God before the door opened for him again. It's all different ways. It's all different forms of wrestling with God. It's like, will I, can I, are we going to take this new thing together? And he's testing our strength. He's testing our faith. He's testing our obedience. And you can liken it to a spike, like a sudden spike of spiritual response that's required that tests our faith to see when that door opens, are we the person to live on the other side of that door? And so recognizing these moments, which are very crucial, requires no less than listening to and applying God's word. It's wisdom. So we've got to hear his prompt. And to hear his prompt, we've got to be able to listen. 
And this is the spiritual discipline that Christians in the 21st century now need more than any other thing is the ability to be prompted, to listen to the word of God, to shut out all the other noise and perceive the promptings of God. Because he speaks in a still small voice, not his outside voice. He wants to know, are you listening? Are you able to follow me? When the slightest nudge again in our life, will we follow that direction? Just like a horse in the midst of war used to have to follow the slightest movement of the rider if they're to, to follow uh, and, and get through that battle. We have to qualify in that same way. Will we follow his nudges? So it's vital for us to cut out noise and so on. Otherwise, you're just going to find yourself going round and round in that pre-open door space because we haven't perceived his guidance. So perhaps we can call this the, the doormat of destiny's door. We aren't through the door. The door may still be closed, but God challenges us in that preparation. And so it's Peter, as I said, with the boat. It's a test for him when Jesus came to him that day at the lake shore to test his humility. You know what you're doing. You're good, but I'm better. But Jesus never wanted to be the fisherman in Peter's stead. He wanted to show Peter that, that Peter plus Jesus together is the best solution. But it required humility to walk through that door. With Abraham, you, you remember when he was still Abram and, and there's Isaac, he's finally been born and God calls him in this doormat of destiny. Will you offer up that which you most long for? Will you obey me when it doesn't make any sense? There's Paul when he was finally knocked off his high horse, when he was still called Saul. Will you repent, Saul? Will you be willing to acknowledge that you may well be wrong about all the things that you based your theology, your religion and your lifestyle on? Will you admit, can you admit, you might have been wrong? And he had to do that in those dark days when he was blinded before he was coming and prayed for with laying on of hands. It's Zacchaeus before he had the open door of salvation. He had to climb the tree. How desperate are you, Zacchaeus? How much do you desire me? Are you prepared to climb a tree just to see me? What levels of desire are there in your life? It's the doormat on the door of destiny. And it demonstrates a spike of humility. It demonstrates a spike of trust. It demonstrates the ability to say, I'm prepared to free fall into God's arms right now. I'm prepared to let it all go and pursue only him, to obey only him. Because on the other side of that door, Life looks very different to the wilderness and it's seldom what we expect and it's always something that we can't do without God's help. And so this final test is often the thing that will confront us. Now we need to remember here, because it can start to sound a little bit man-centric, it's God who opens the door, it's God who makes the door. And on the other side of the door, it's, the God, it's God who moves the mountains. It's his power. He can do anything. Anything is possible to him. The only proviso in that is, are we prepared to be humble and faithful and have faith through that? It's God who is a miracle worker. It's God who is the all-powerful one. It's, he is a strong one, not us. And so as we come into a song now and just reflect on the power of God and our uh, willingness to say, all else needs to go away except your will, I really want us to reflect on what's God been speaking to you about because you may well have come to this doormat of destiny before. Perhaps you've missed one or two. Perhaps you've walked through them and you know. And what's God been prompting you about over recent months and years? Is there something where he's calling you to that spike of obedience and humility? Let's just reflect on that now as we enjoy this time of worship. Thank you. 
That's just a fantastic song and thanks for the worship team for that. Sometimes we just need to remember how big God is, how much he can do and remember the incredible things that he's done in our life and then be prepared in faith to step into that. So here's one last principle when it comes to this pre-walking through the door moment and it's to understand that it's the valley itself that defines the door. It's the valley. It's the stuff that we've been through that defines what the door is literally made of. See, we want the door to be a doorway into something brand new. We want the doorway to be, I'm sick of that life that I've just been living. I've endured that. I've put up with that. Now I want to walk into something that looks nothing like that. It sort of doesn't work that way, but in some ways it does. It is a new beginning, but it's a beginning built on something else because what happened in the valley defines the door and defines what happens afterwards. Let's go back to the Hosea scripture we looked at last week, Hosea 2, 14 to 16. Therefore, God says, I'm now going to allure her, meaning God's people. I will lead her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. There I'll give her back her vineyards and I will make the valley of Achor a door of hope. Do you see what it says there? I will make the valley of Achor. I will make all that that was trouble. I will turn that valley into the door. He takes the stuff of the trial and that's what the door is made of. It's an incredible concept if you just ruminate on that alone after the service today. Uh, the valley for the Hebrews that it was talking about in this context, the valley of Achor was the wilderness in the desert where they had to learn to follow God's pillar of, of fire and of smoke. It's where they had to uh, have faith that he would provide every day. And in that time, they went from being regarded uh, as slaves to sons where they, they, they didn't rely on God to always work for them, but with them. They learned how to begin to partner because when they got into the promised land, the promised land may have been full of uh, you know, honey and all the great stuff that they were looking for, but it was also full of giants. And God wasn't going to just wipe all those people out. That was going to be their job in partnership. So they had to learn in the wilderness what only the wilderness could teach them, and that was the faith and the ability to walk with God, to listen and partner with him. That was the moment. And then the, the doorstep to that destiny ultimately was the river of Jordan where they had to cross that river while it was still flowing. If you read the text in that context, the river didn't stop until many miles upstream. So they had to walk into a stream that was in full flood, knowing that God would provide. And then ultimately that lag of the water drying up came. But they had to step in. So they had to demonstrate faith and obedience in the midst of that. The door, the, the doormat on the, at the door of destiny was made of the stuff of the valley. See, the wilderness that we go through is God's workshop. It's where he builds us. He doesn't build us in the door. The door is just recognition of what he's already done in our life. The wilderness itself is God's worship workshop. And if we truncate or we try and cut off or abridge what, what's been going on in there, everyone loses, not only us. The reason for us going through that, the people who are going to overflow from that will also lose as well. You think for a moment. Some, some highlights from scripture there as well. You look at a guy like Joseph, Old Testament Joseph. If Imagine what he went through. He'd been made a promise by God and then he goes into prison. Uh, he goes into Potiphar's house. He gets uh, slandered and unjustly accused in there. And God doesn't, for a long time, take him out of that circumstance. It seemed to go on for an incredibly long time, for almost half his life at that stage. If God had taken him out of that, imagine what would have happened to the people who are going to need him one day to provide food for the land and other nations in that famine. If he had not have gone through that, if God had taken him out of that experience too soon and not workshopped him into who he became, 
then millions of people would have suffered because of that. What about King David? You look at what he went through for 14 years before, between his anointing and his appointing. If God had pulled him out of that unjust situation, out of that cave, out of that persecution, if God had pulled him out of that, he would have robbed Israel of their greatest king. See, the wilderness is God's workshop. Think of a a woman like Esther. Imagine if God had taken her out of that situation where she'd been snatched from her family, where there's a a scheming uh, enemy within the king's court plotting against her. Imagine if God had taken her out of that situation, if he hadn't have let her grow and become who she was going to be. A whole race, the Hebrews, would have been wiped off the face of the map. And so we've got to think about and reflect for a moment what God's doing in your life in the wilderness. What's he doing in your life now? I wonder what he's been building into you because that wilderness is God's workshop. What's he making you into right now? Has things like managing prolonged disappointment, has that crafted into you to become a voice of hope for people? Because you've had to learn that because the door is made of the stuff of the wilderness. Has your prolonged suffering formed in you a voice of encouragement that can lift people out of their mire and out of their depression? Has ongoing frustration with just grappling with life, just not going your way, given you a voice of incredible peace regardless of the circumstance? Has loneliness that has just seemed to go on for year and year created in you hands of comfort for those who are also alone? Has the process of mending the brokenness of your life and the trauma of families that never worked out and disappointment in relationships, has that ability given you the tools of transformation that can mend other people's lives? What has the wilderness built into your life? We think those years are wasted. We think they're just a pause, but they're God's workshop. He's making you into someone who's going to affect many, many lives through what you've gained. We can try to throw all that time in the bin and just say it's wasted, or we can say this is God's investment into my life. What's he built me into? So today, I'd hope you invest some time with God. I really hope that during this time, that church online is not just an observing exercise for you, that when you uh, turn off the computer screen or whatever you're watching on now, you either gather with some people online and talk through some of these concepts, or you just sit with God yourself in worship for a little while and consider and be thankful for what he's been doing. Thank him through the trials. Thank him for the extended periods and what he's begun to build in your life, even if you can't see it yet, because it almost doesn't matter if you do or you don't. All God calls us to do is be thankful through the experience and recognize him right through it and leave the fruit and the rest up to him. Some of us need to just repent of despising God's wilderness. We need to just reactivate thankfulness in our life. It's not based on what he's done, but it's based on who he is. So for the rest of today, I'll give that to you and just pray that you would listen to God and just reflect on the years that have gone before because God's door may well be right in front of you. But you don't want to walk through a door and forget what got you there in the first place. Take the legacy of what God's done in your life and let it encourage you and then be a source of encouragement for many other people. I'll bless you this week and I can't wait to see you again soon. Bye now.